what I've found really uh, great over the, the last few weeks and speaking to new people coming on the podcast is how many people haven't come from a like computer science background. Uh, I know we talk about it on the podcast a lot, but it's been really good to hear all these different uh, routes into the job. Yeah, I like that. I mean, only I don't know if it's because that's my path and it's your path. Um, I've, in, I've spent a lot of time working with a lot of people who've done the same thing as me, which is like, and us transitioned from a different career to this later in life um mm-hmm. but you know right where i work now the majority of the dev team are trained computer scientist people which is Ooh. you know it's a mixture of intimidating i mean they're all super smart um and i think it's helped i think in a lot of ways because what the role the roles are quite back-endy uh i do feel a little intimidated sometimes though as a self-taught learner it's good to to not be the smartest person in the room, isn't it, Tom? Oh yeah, of course. That's yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the easiest way to stagnate is to. I don't know that anyone ever. If people are the smartest person in the room, I don't know that they ever actually genuinely think that they are. Um, that's probably a bad sign. I think there's a kind of a Dunning Kruger thing going on there, where if you think you're the <laughs> smartest person in the room, you're probably almost certainly not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but it, it was really good to hear, like just a bit self-fulfillment that's what i did i i kind of taught myself to become a developer um and it's good to hear that other people have done that route as well um the, the majority of people i know as well have uh like self-taught and essentially just gone on some tutorials on online and, and then voila you got a job in tech <laughs> obviously there's a lot more to it than that but um <laughs> yeah yeah there's the there's the dream that is peddled and then there's the reality but it it is and it's become an established path now hasn't it whereas i don't necessarily know that it was 10 20 years ago i couldn't say because of, i don't know if you could say either because how long have we been in this career we, we can't look at the uh the the difference but from from like the outside perspective and from speaking to people who are who have been in their career a bit longer it seems like the it well it's the feeling of it just seems like it, it used to be that you had to have a computer science degree before you would get get a job in tech and you, you can, i suppose you see it in like a lot of like old school hiring people may not even look at cvs that don't have a computer science degree on. yeah i mean i've never i say i've never come across that but then also i may never have got to the top of the pile for interviews when i've <laughs> applied for places and, and not had yeah. it so that could or perhaps be you're uh, subconsciously choosing places that that don't have that sort of vibe yeah, I, I would hope so, to be honest. I don't like the concept of gatekeeping, and I think that that's something that I see a lot in in the... Like, certainly if you, if you browse Twitter and are looking at... If you're looking at, like, hiring topics, the message is overwhelmingly positive. Everyone... Uh, we've said a lot of times that it's a really friendly industry to be in. It's a really inviting industry in a lot of ways. But there are yeah, the isolated bad actors here and there that are quite... I don't know. They seem protective of what they've got is the vibe I get, but you do see people saying, oh, HTML isn't a programming language, for instance, and all this kind of stuff. Because it's to- not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. oh. It's a markup language, Tom. And a markup language is a programming language. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> But yeah, the, that the message that even whether it's right or wrong, saying it is belittling to people who are starting out 
and looking at HTML and CSS. You see it a lot, particularly with front-end technologies, because certain, I'm going to say back-end as if it's a bad thing, but back-end developers <laughs> haven't learned how haven't learned the nuances of front-end or last touched it in the 90s when you literally could learn it all in a couple of weeks and like hold the entirety of HTML and CSS in your head. You can't do that anymore. No one person can understand it all. It's grown so much and there's so much nuance and complexity. Something doesn't necessarily need to be complete uh, to be easy to be not a programming language you can have non-programming no, language but the, i'm not then... saying that it's it's not relevant whether it is or not what the message of people making a point that it's not is exclusionary i see and it's yeah. yeah so it's the it's the reason that they're saying it rather than what they're actually saying so the reason they're saying it is oh the thing i do is a lot harder than the thing you do exactly that, that's it yeah, yeah. It's, okay. and and so you're it's not, it's not you're, really about whether yeah. it's a programming language or not yeah somebody yeah the the point being if you're writing html and css and doing nothing else but you're really good at that you are a developer you're a software engineer you're working really hard and you're doing good yep. work you're not any less skilled or any less of an any less of an engineer in air quotes than someone who mm -hmm. works solely on back end technologies no yeah i, I do agree with that yeah. yeah, and there's a lot. There's a lot. I've never once seen that. I've seen lots of people say convincing things on either side of whether it is a programming language or not. Um, a lot of people I respect think that it is. A lot of people I respect think that it isn't. But the ones that are very outspoken about the fact that it's not, there's always an element of nastiness in there. In my experience, in that mm. just the message. And the way that it's put across. Yeah, maybe we should bring this conversation back around <laughs> to where we want it to be. Because it sounds like, listener, the question is not, uh, is HTML a programming language? <laughs> As you no, may have seen when you clicked on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so really what we wanted to talk about this week was kind of the fact that it seems like a lot of people these days are just saying, oh, I'll just become a developer. You, I mean, we, we've talked about it all the time. We talk about all the success stories of people just like going to a boot camp and then becoming a developer. Um, it, I think it's really good that we're highlighting all, all these good things that are happening. But there's also another side to it where there are going to be a lot of people who maybe aren't cut out for it or they're sold something, like they're sold like a boot camp course where they think I'm going to get a, to be a developer at the end of it. And then that's not the case. But the majority of self-taught developers I see all go to the front end. Or not all. The majority go, seems like people think I'm going to, get into tech, I'm going to learn tech, I'm going to go to the front end. And now maybe that comes back to the gatekeeping thing where they think the back end's a lot harder than the front end. Um, I'm not sure. But that seems like that's that's the essentially the easy way in. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if that's changing now, though. Because if you'd asked me three years ago, like are most, do most people start front or back if they're self-taught? I would say, yeah, they will gravitate towards the front end. I don't know that that's true anymore. Like the trend I'm seeing lately, there's a there's a growing frustration with the complexity and not necessarily, I don't know if complexity is the right word, but the unpredictability of front-end tooling. Like we the, the general narrative throughout my whole career has been it's getting more and more easy to do front-end development than it was. And I wish I was starting to learn now because what a fantastic time it is to learn how to do this because there's so much more, so many more resources, so many things, so many more things are standardized. But, I mean, as you've recently tried out front-end for the first time, how did you find it? <laughs> was it easy? Was it, con was it consistent? Was it logical? No, no, I much prefer the uh, <laughs> keep, keep with the, the uh, so-called programming languages and, uh, 
and like the Python scripts and that sort of stuff. That's that's where I'm much happier. <laughs> I've I found anything like you touch one thing in CSS and the whole thing comes crumbling down. I just I don't got time for that. Yeah, none of it makes sense. <laughs> At least in Python, I get you do one thing and the next thing happens. With CSS, you kind of do one thing and then a hundred different things happen. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> the the web of complexity is greater almost in the front end front end now. And I think people there is a a new narrative being written that I mean, particularly around the JavaScript ecosystem, it's very confusing and very hard to get started with. Um, and yeah, a part of that is the immaturity of the ecosystem and the illogicalness of some behaviors like trying to get started with node and, and node modules and trying to find some kind of consistent like just to get a tutorial and follow it and it run the same as it ran on someone else's machine is still hard particularly if you're new and you're not familiar with the weirdnesses of, of different node versions and maybe you don't have nvm installed and you've got all oh, there's like a lot of ways it can go wrong that are all very small but make life hard for people uh, now uh, we were talking about gatekeeping earlier and now you're saying the front end's hard. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I, I don't, I hope because I've publicly <laughs> tied, my, tied my flag to the mast of being against gatekeeping that people aren't going to think that that's what I'm saying. And it, it absolutely isn't. I think there's a lot of hard stuff that people have to overcome and it's a, it, it can be a struggle. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying everyone is capable of learning it, but a lot of people are not interested in that kind of problem solving. I much prefer they, they'll have a have a their first experience of JavaScript, for instance, right now, is very likely to be a mess of node modules and packages that don't agree with each other. Whereas probably the first ex first experience they have of a backend programming language is, is going to be more logical and more predictable. Hmm. I, I suppose, especially if you start in something like Python, where there's not much stuff going on around the outside you mm. kind of just sit down write a thing it does it you don't have to worry about installing much um yeah yeah, the yeah, old, yeah. That's a fair point. you go you go back 10 years it was much like getting started with html and css you could read a couple of articles and you could make a simple website and have it online looking like a website behaving like a website and you'd have cre you've literally created something out of nothing within an afternoon and well, you can still do that today, but the, the level that you're creating that website to is going to be a lot lower than the, the, your average website. Whereas, yeah. I suppose, 10 years ago, you could come in with your HTML and CSS and build something that looks fairly close to the sort of vaguely professional websites. Yeah, and I you think say. yeah, you can still do that now, but the momentum of tutorials and like the, the places you're going to go and learn, go to look to learn how to do this, are likely to be talking about the much more complicated um yeah, tooling landscape and mm -hmm. the, all the stuff around the coding that isn't actually the coding but is like you need a programmer's brain to unpick it um, and learning yep. that is is tough. Mm. We really have gone off piste a bit, haven't we? But we, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. just, the, the, so, just, uh, the just of the question is, is, become a is it still good advice to tell someone to become a developer? <laughs> what are we going to say, Tom? We're going to say, yes, become a developer. That's good advice. Have you ever been on the UKPF Reddit or the FIRE Reddit. Do you know what they are? 
Is one of them the UK Police Force and the other the Fire Brigade? No. I, no, I don't know what they are. <laughs> UKPF is uh, personal finance and UK focused because that's where we are and that's what I look at. And FIRE is, I think, it's, what, I think it stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. It's like a movement of people who like reduce their living costs and try and save up a lump sum early on in their careers. And Anyway, these Reddits are about personal finance and mm-hmm. they're full of people coming with questions like, at the start of their, they've just come out of university, they've started to realise, oh, maybe pensions are a thing I have to think about. I think it appeals to a certain type of person, these kind of Reddits. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, oh, what should I do to maximise my career, my, my, maximise my earnings in my career early on? Um, and, oh, what, what's a good job? What, and people talking about like saving allocations and all this kind of, And a lot of the people that are on really high salaries and talk about their salaries in these subs, um, in these subreddits, are software engineers i know there's a there's a kind of narrative that's building up in these places that being a software engineer is a very high paying job and everyone should kind of aim towards that which i think is true (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but it's also sold as kind of a a fairly easy to get i mean we try to sell that dream don't we it's if you try hard enough it is a job that you can kind of without having to go to a university or anything you can just you can get a job through your own hard work yeah, I think it's yeah, the merit, the meritocracy of it is appealing to a lot of people and that gets distorted slightly into being like you it's not like the the competing higher paying industries like being a lawyer or being a doctor are quite heavily regulated you need quite a lot of qualifications and a lot of training to do it. Um you say to tell someone oh yeah go and be be an architect that's a very good career. Oh yeah, come back in 7 years when you've <laughs> you've been at university <laughs> the entire time. Um and and then maybe you'll be able to find work at an agency somewhere. Um, but I think a lot of people get sucked into thinking, oh, well, this is one of those high-paying jobs that I can do with no qualifications, which I don't think is quite accurate because the qualifications are your experience and your abilities, and they don't just come over. That you, you don't get that overnight. Mm. Yeah, we, we do we do emphasize that it well, I mean it took me two years, but it does take a lot of extra time and hard work to get to get to a point where you can just apply for a job and hopefully get it uh yeah this and i think a lot of the boot camps as well you hear about oh come and do our two-month boot camp and then we've i mean we've how we've talked about boot camps so much on the podcast haven't we yeah. but that they they sell that they kind of they're obviously trying to sell a dream to make money but they can show that oh we've got this many percentage of people going on to jobs but that, well, that's not always the case and that's uh maybe we'll put a link to the to the boot camps into the show notes as well so you can go back and listen to that because i don't yeah. want to talk about boot camps anymore <laughs> no there's there's a lot of nuance to that and i think we've covered covered a lot of the aspects but like you say there's there is a narrative that they are trying to sell which is very quickly become a developer by doing by paying us money and doing this thing um yeah. and in some cases it's true in some cases it's not but that narrative is there nonetheless mm-hmm. so i think what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> very, uh, yeah, feeling very inarticulate uh, in trying to express this is that it is doable. Anyone can do it. I don't want anyone to anyone out there listening to think, oh no, I I can't become a developer. I can't become a software developer. You can. We are evidence that you can do that. Become a developer is good advice for someone who is interested in becoming a developer. <laughs> Yes, I think become a developer maybe is not good advice for someone who just isn't sure what they want to do necessarily, and they just kind of think, "Oh, that sounds like something I want to do. I can write one plus one equals two in Python." I don't know that that's true. I think no. I think you can 
just treat it as a job. I've worked with some great developers who hated development, but were, it was a stable career, so they've done it. And they've. I think it's the application and the hard work that gets missed out. I don't necessarily subscribe to the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours of hard work to become an expert in something. But there's some truth in the fact that you have to work really hard to get these skills, I think. Everyone I've met who's really good at it has worked long and hard to get those abilities. I definitely subscribe to the 10,000 hours. I'm not not condoning that that (laughs) you don't become an expert by doing 10,000 hours of work. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, is that you you have to put the time and the effort in to get the results. It's not... any easy i think anybody anybody can do it and maybe not anybody can i don't know what what can you think of career not anybody can become an astronaut or anything. there are careers that are locked down somehow development is wide open but it still takes just as much work as any other job that's worth having I'll, t- I'll tell you what that that points us towards though the idea of like being experienced and getting a good job in it is very different to being junior and getting your first job once I think there's such a gulf between never having had a job in tech and having had one job in tech in your employability that as soon as you've as soon as you're on your second job, you have first hand experience of the fact that it's actually quite easy or it was previously, previous to twenty twenty, quite easy to find another role. There are lots mm-hmm. of people who need the skills that an experienced developer has. And as soon as you've got like a year or two of experience, you're a valuable commodity. Um, I question whether that may, that may change in the coming months. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, and yeah, recession and all that kind of stuff is no one, we're not, no industry is recession proof, I don't think. But people will always need developers. And previous, uh, yeah, up until now, for the last 10 years i don't i don't know i feel like maybe since the 60s almost if you know (laughs) if you're good at computers you'll be able to find a job somehow and it will be a good job you won't have to struggle um but i wonder if that means that people who are on their second job or their third or their fourth or their fifth whose most recent experience is oh it was really easy I, i had my pick of employers i got to choose where i wanted to work based on all the factors that were important to me that's different to someone looking for their very first one when they're competing against literally everybody else who thinks that it might be a good idea to get a programming job. Yeah, so it's kind of a saturated market, essentially. It is at that very first level. There's so, because, the myth, because there's the myth out there or this story that it's easy to do and anyone can do it. I think there's, there's, <laughs> by, the, nature, by the, the very nature of that, there are a lot of people trying to get into it. So it's very, very, very competitive at that very first stage. But then perhaps because it's so competitive there and so few people get their first job once you've got that things become much easier so so you you were kind of saying that maybe there aren't enough junior roles at the moment or there aren't enough people looking for juniors for this for the amount of people that are applying for the roles that might be true and it's going to become now that there are lots of everyone's going remote i think remote option remote opportunities are going to be more common regardless of what happens mm-hmm. in the world i think remote has been proven as if not ideal if workable <laughs> so why not <laughs> and there's and all the reasons that remote was good prior to 2020 are still true you can you have yep. such a wider pool of candidates to choose from you can get the best people for the right position regardless of geography um salary implications of that are useful for both the people applying for jobs and the people offering the jobs it's actually much less appealing to hire a junior developer if you're a remote company. 
Oh, really? You want some, I feel like, you want, particularly if you're a small team and you don't, like, if most of your resources are actually spent working on the product, taking on a junior is a massive multi-year investment in a person and you're taking someone out of the stream of making product to mentor this person to do it properly. You look like you have opinions. That That's just as true if you go in... Well, it made me think two things. Number one, it's just as true if you go into a job firsthand, like in person. Like I don't see how that would be horrendously different from getting uh, your first job at a remote place. Um, I'm sure we've discussed at some point about your first job should probably not be remote. Yeah, we have said that. Yeah, And I, I still think that that's true. I think there's just... The sh- the bandwidth benefits alone of being in the room with someone when you're at that very first stage of you've got questions literally everywhere you turn and you need massive amounts of, of input from your colleagues, it's much less disruptive if that's in an office environment. That's one of the, that's one of the few places where like an open plan office and like a, a pool of devs working on a few desks actually is a better place to work. Yeah, I suppose then if you're if you're a remote company trying to hire a junior one, it's going to be a lot more. You're going to have to think about it a lot more, uh, like onboarding a junior, and intro. It may end up that people who are hired at remote companies who, nec- who might not have thought about this, who've been shoved into the remote situation, um, don't necessarily give them. Like you don't get as well trained. I suppose and it's there's a danger. There, there it really is. There isn't. There isn't as much time to to create a, a well-rounded individual uh, in terms of their the code um ability but maybe on, on the flip side of that we might find because people are just remote by default now that it doesn't it becomes less of an issue we're old-fashioned dinosaurs who have experienced working in an office <laughs> and we might find it hard to transition but the kids coming up now who are all remote first from the beginning it's not going to be a problem for them because they're just used to working that way and they yeah they will probably find that there'll be a generation of developers who find it much harder to work in an office than they do remotely they might not be the problem it's the people uh people the, the company they're working for isn't yeah it? yeah new, new people <laughs> I, I, when i say new people i probably mean new companies <laughs> I, I don't know or in but, 10 years yeah. time <laughs> so we've kind of gone uh, uh kind of all over the place in this episode um we've talk, talked about lots of different things uh, but it is an interesting question is should you still become a developer yes there are going to be lots of juniors uh but but i mean we're, we're never going to say no to that question are we no that's true yeah we are predisposed <laughs> it's kind of uh, essentially a rhetorical question it is always good advice and we do keep going on about how this career is is something you can work hard at and and get a job in if you if you want to put the time and the effort in but as always you, you've got to put that time and effort in to make it happen yeah and i think it's important to keep even though we're always going to say, yes, it's a great thing to do. It's important to examine the beliefs that you hold. And as situations change, this is a different... We're in, living in different times than when I became a developer. We're pretty much living the way things are speeding up at the moment. We're living in different times from when you became a developer. <laughs> um, and I think it's useful to examine these things that we just... Like, like for years, I've been saying, oh, it's never been better to be a developer. It's a yeah, yeah employee's market if you're in the hiring sphere there it's like the people being employed have the power um and it's a great time to do it and you're in a great position if this is what you do is that still true i think it is now but will it be in two years who knows 
Thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode of A Question of Code. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev or aquestionofcode.com where you can find details of how to get in touch, including on yeah, email and all the other channels. And that's where you can find all the information about how to submit your own questions to the show so we could maybe be answering your question here. Um, tell your friends about the show and yeah, sub- make sure if you're not subscribed already, you do subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.